This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Sick stuff, folks. Sick stuff. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, this is why I do this show in part. I want to educate you on the true history of our country and the world so you understand where all this stuff comes from. We see Klaus Schwab. We see Yuval Noah Harari. We see Elon Musk talking about this stuff now. We think it just came from three days ago no folks this stuff is deep rooted in our country in our culture in our society and it's spread far and wide because they as they admit here in harvard magazine the books that these psychopaths were writing were distributed amongst other colleges and into one-third of high school programs and so generations of young people uh, impressionable young minds were indoctrinated with this idea of eugenics and i'm not so much talking about you know quizzes and tests to bring in the right type of immigrants i'm talking about the forced sterilization and essentially killing people just murdering people that they deem to be unfit all right let's pick back up with the last sentence it said as the nation went to war against a regime that embraced racism eugenics increasingly came to be regarded as un-american yeah it's un-american un-american although we were doing it we were practicing it we sterilized this poor girl who was raped i mean give me a break it goes on to say it did not however entirely fade away speaking of eugenics at the university or nationally Ernest Hooten, chairman of the anthropology department at Harvard, was particularly outspoken in support of what he called a, quote, biological purge, end quote. In 1936, while the first German concentration camps were opening, he made a major plea for eugenic sterilization, though he emphasized that it should not target any race or religion. Okay, let's keep the uh, concentration camps going. We'll just say it's not about race or religion, and then it'll be fine. How about we just sterilize one 
out of every two people will just randomly select them, like at the airport when they're doing a luggage check. Hey, you, get over here, Grandma. You're going to be sterilized. Hey, it doesn't matter. I can't have kids. Well, we're still going to do it. It goes on to say, Hooten believed it was imperative for society to remove its, quote, worthless, end quote, people. Quote, our real purpose, quote, he declared in a speech that was quoted in the New York Times, quote, should be to segregate and to eliminate the unfit, worthless, degenerate, and antisocial portion of each racial and ethnic strain in our population so that we may utilize the substantial merits of its sound majority and the special and diversified gifts of its superior members, end quote. This is chairman of the anthropology department at Harvard in 1936. Could, I mean, could you imagine if someone said something like this? To, oh, wait a minute. Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher of the World Economic Forum and the Force Industrial Revolution. He talks like this. Oh, yeah, he talks like this, folks. Think about it. Our real purpose should be to segregate and to eliminate the unfit, worthless, degenerate, and antisocial portion of each racial and ethnic strain in our population so that we may utilize the substantial merits of its sound majority and the special and diversified gifts of its superior members. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. What do you think all the data they're collecting on everyone is? It's so that they can deem you unfit. How are they going to pick these people out? They're going to go through all the groups of Chinese, all the groups of Jewish, all the groups of whites, Europeans, Italians, uh, whatever they want to go through each group. They're going to pick out the ones they deem to be worthless members of society. Meanwhile, this is coupled with their policies like instituting a minimum wage to drive low-wage workers out of the workforce so they could deem them to be unemployable and unfit and then kill them or sterilize them. Come on, folks. This is social engineering to fit the social control system. Remember, if you don't fit into the system that they're designing, if you're an inefficient human engine, as the technocrats would put it, you will be eliminated. You will be eliminated. So this is, uh, this is real history. I don't think they taught you this in eighth grade, but uh, if, if they did, I would be surprised. If they did, they were probably telling you this was good. It was a good thing. Hey, kids, we used to sterilize people. We don't do that anymore. We just call it abortion. But uh, this is mad. This is mad stuff we're looking at. Goes on to say, none of the news out of Germany after the war made Hooten abandon his views. Quote, there can be little doubt of the increase during this past 50 years of mental de uh, defectives, psychopaths, criminals, economic incompetence, and the chronically diseased, end quote, he wrote in Red Book magazine in 1950, quote, we owe this to the intervention of charity, welfare, and medical science, and to the reckless breeding of the unfit, end quote. We owe it to these people. We owe it to ourselves, folks. We owe it to ourselves. And so we'll get into eventually Margaret Sanger and the free love abortion movement because that plays right into all this stuff. They just had to start calling eugenics by a different name. 
they had to have another means so this time they wanted to institute uh, family planning uh, abortions um, uh, all types of uh, of new things they can rebrand rebrand and then be able to have a softer sell on this stuff it goes on to say the united states also held on to eugenics if not as enthusiastically as it once did in 1942 with the war against the nazis raging the supreme court had a chance to overturn buck v bell and hold eugenic sterilization unconstitutional but it did not the court struck down an Oklahoma sterilization law, but on extremely narrow grounds, leaving the rest of the nation's eugenic sterilization laws intact. Only after the civil rights revolution of the 1960s and changes in popular views toward marginalized groups did eugenic sterilization begin to decline more rapidly. But states continued to sterilize the quote unfit end quote until 1981. Now, I will say this part of eugenics the sterilization stuff possibly possibly was replaced with things like massive use of vaccines and big pharmaceuticals so we'll eventually get into that i have written down i don't know 50 or 60 notes uh, in different areas that i'm currently researching all the branches that come out of this because when they get rid of something like sterilization it's not because they decided that it was a bad idea and they changed their ways and they realized that they were horrible people it's because they came up with another solution to their problem okay it goes on to say today the american eugenics movement is often thought of as an episode of national folly like 1920s dance marathons or prohibition with little harm done in fact the harm it caused was enormous as many as 70,000 Americans were forcibly sterilized for eugenic reasons, while important members of the Harvard community cheered, and as with Elliot, Lowell, and Holmes, called for more. Many of those 70,000 were simply poor, or had done something that a judge or social worker didn't like, or, as in Carrie Buck's case, had terrible luck. Their lives were changed forever. Buck lost her daughter to illness and died childless in 1983, not understanding until her final years what the state had done to her or why she had been unable to have more children. Does this not make you sick to your stomach? Does this not make you sick to your stomach, folks? And you think about what these people are doing today. And I venture to guess you're going to see a rise in folks, young kids, that reach their 20s and their 30s and are unable to have children or healthy children. I can see that coming because the people running the show today are no different than the people running the show of yesteryear, except now they have access to more Frankenstein technology. And they're even crazier, folks, because it's multiple generations of crazy at this point. Goes on to say, also affected were the many people kept out of the country by the eugenically inspired immigration laws of the 1920s. Among them were a large number of European Jews who desperately sought to escape the impending Holocaust. A few years ago, correspondence was discovered from 1941 in which Otto Frank pleaded with the U.S. State Department for visas for himself, his wife, and his daughters, Margot and Anne. 
It is understood today that Anne Frank died because the Nazis considered her a member of an inferior race. But few appreciate that her death was also due in part to the fact that many in the U.S. Congress felt the same way. That kind of stuff, I'm not going to touch on it, folks, because it's such... That is such a touchy subject, and I would imagine we have sort of a mixed audience here. That's something I would have to spend several episodes on, and I can't do it out here on the public side. Eventually, when we get things worked out with pain.tv slash gold, I'll be doing some uh, premium shows over there. We can get into discussions like this. I'm always going to be very careful, though. You know, it's... And I have to tell you, the more that we're reading about this stuff, you you can't, if you're being honest with yourself, it is not one group of people that are driving everything. There are sick, evil people in all walks of life, folks. They're all over the place. We're covering so many different psychos in our history that are on board with essentially the engineering of humanity out of existence. That's what this is all about, ladies and gentlemen. It says there are important reasons for remembering and further exploring Harvard's role in eugenics. Colleges and universities today are increasingly interrogating their past, thinking about what it means to have a Yale residential college named after John C. Calhoun, a Princeton school named after Woodrow Wilson, or slaveholder Isaac Royal's coat of arms on the Harvard Law School shield and his name on a professorship endowed by his will. Eugenics is a part of Harvard's history. It is unlikely that Elliott House or Lowell House will be renamed, but there might be a way for the university community to spare a thought for Carrie Buck and others who paid a high price for the harmful ideas that Harvard affiliates played a major role in propounding. There are also forward-looking reasons to revisit this dark moment in the university's past. Biotechnical science has advanced to the brink of a new era of genetic possibilities. In the next few years, the headlines will be full of stories about gene editing technology, genetic solutions for a variety of human afflictions and frailties, and even, quote, designer babies, end quote. Given that Harvard affiliates again will play a large role in all of these, it is important to contemplate how wrong so many people tied to the university got it the first time, and to think hard about how, this time, to get it right. Oh, really? So this time, you're going to get it right? This time, we should trust these elitists, these royal pigs at Harvard to get it right? Folks, it never ended. We are just in the next phase of eugenics. We are in the next phase of sterilization. Of course, this time they're doing it in a Petri dish with a number of your embryos, embryos killing the ones that they deem to be unfit and giving life to the one that they deem to be fit. And supposedly it is your choice this time. It is your choice to choose the right embryo. Ladies and gentlemen, when I get back, closing thoughts on this, you're going to want to stick around. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold. Welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. Folks, now you know the history of Harvard's involvement in eugenics. And it only took one episode to do that, folks. What we're going to do tomorrow is I am going to show you what Harvard is up to today. I'm going to show you who's involved with some of the new eugenics slash transhumanism experiments going on at Harvard because it's going to blow your mind. Actually, it probably won't blow your mind because you are a well-educated, well-informed audience, and I think you can probably guess some of the people that are involved with what's going on at Harvard now. I want to wrap up this show with this little piece I found. It's at evolutionnews.org. This is Evolution News and Science Today. I thought this person, Wesley J. Smith, did a fantastic job. This is transhumanism is pure eugenics. And Wesley J. Smith wrote the first piece when Jared Kushner, Donald Trump's son-in-law, came out in support of transhumanism on the show with Richard Grinnell saying, we will be the last generation to die or the first generation to live forever. And I reached out to Wesley J. Smith. We had a conversation. He was going to come on the show, and then I never heard from him. So I'm going to reach back out to him because I ran into this piece, and I thought it was, uh, frankly, fantastic. And it sums up um, kind of everything we discussed tonight. And I think that it's an important message to leave you with because this episode I think was so dark. We didn't really talk about solutions in this episode, but this was written in April 2022, so not that long ago. The title is Transhumanism is Pure Eugenics. It says transhumanism boiled down to its bones is pure eugenics. It calls itself H+, for more or better than human, which of course is what eugenics is all about. Alarmingly, transhumanist values are being embraced at the highest strata of society, including in big tech, in universities, and among the Davos crowd of globalist would-be technocrats. That being so, it is worth listening in to what they are saying under the theory that forewarned is forearmed. Useless people. Israeli philosophy professor Yuval Harari is one of the movement's chief Uh, proselytizers. He believes that AI-human hybrids are inevitably going to take over, and that those of us who refuse to join our minds with these computer programs will come to be considered a, quote, useless class, end quote, or even, quote, useless people, end quote. From the Miami Standard story, Harari went on to say that humanity is in the midst of a, quote, second industrial revolution, end quote, centered around artificial intelligence, quote, but the product this time will not be textiles or machines or vehicles or even weapons. The product this time will be humans themselves, end quote, Harari asserted. Quote, we are basically learning to produce bodies and minds. Bodies and minds are going to be, I think, the two main products of the next wave of all these changes, end quote. 
the, quote, useless people, end quote, referenced by the World Economic Forum advisor, would be those who refuse to be injected with artificial intelligence capabilities in the coming decades, describing humans as, quote, hackable animals, end quote. Harari believes that, quote, the masses, end quote, would, quote, not stand much of a chance, end quote, against these changes even if they were to organize. Ah, the old, quote, resistance is futile, end quote, gambit. What will happen to, quote, useless people, end quote. Quote, the problem is more boredom. What to do with them? And how will they find some sense of meaning in life when they are basically meaningless, worthless, end quote, Harari continued. Quote, my best guess at present is a combination of drugs and computer games, end quote. Caesar would approve. It is tempting to fall prey to such nihilism, but resistance is not futile. If we continually remind ourselves that no human life is ever, quote, meaningless, end quote, or, quote, worthless, end quote. And even if Harari is right, that we will eventually devolve into a brave new world caste system, the unenhanced still would retain the most important and powerful human characteristic of all, the ability to love. Love isn't something the transhumanists generally talk much about. I think that's because it can't be generated by taking a pill, editing genes, or melding with a computer algorithm. It isn't transactional. The ability to love comes from being loved and practicing the virtues. No high-tech shortcuts. How boring. This is transhumanism's fatal flaw. To, paraphrase, uh, to paraphrase a great saint, quote, If I blend with an AI computer program and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have enhanced capabilities, uh, capacities that can move mountains but do not have love i am nothing end quote let me repeat that because it's wonderful it says if i blend with an ai computer program and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and if i have enhanced capabilities that can move mountains but do not have love i am nothing Thank you, Wesley J. Smith, for writing this incredible piece, because it is so true, and love ties into the soul. The scientists will tell you that love is only a release of endorphins, and so they can hack that too, folks. These are the scientists, the engineers, the economists, the technologists, the madmen who believe they are God, who believe they are above you who believe it is their duty, it is their right, it is their right, but more importantly, it is their duty to weed out the so-called undesirables from society, to weed out the unfit, to sterilize the unemployable, to build a supreme race, a pure stock, so that they could work more efficiently in their factories, so that they will conform to the state-controlled power of technocracy. As you can see, we weave together technocracy and eugenics. We're putting the pieces together for you.
I'm continuing to go through the documents I found on Howard Scott and the original technocracy movement. I'm bringing in what I'm learning about the brain trust that helped develop FDR's New Deal, which ushered in many elements of technocracy. I'm going to dismantle all of this, folks. This is my mission. I'm going to show you how they socially engineered us, how they changed our culture and forced us into this adoption of technocracy. And now we see transhumanism. I'm going to show exactly how this was done because it's very important for my child to understand this, to know the true history of the world in which he lives under. I am not going to teach him, as my wife and I are going to homeschool, I'm not going to teach him the fake history. There is no point in doing that. I'm going to teach him the real history about where he lives and why he is living underneath this system. Although they haven't written about this in the history books yet, the truth has not been told. I will continue to figure it out here at the Dustin Gold Standard, and I will lay it out for you each and every night as I find new information, I connect more dots, I string together new pieces, and I put this puzzle together. There is no point in lying to your children. There is no point at 7, 8, 9, 10 years old telling them that Santa Claus is coming down the chimney when you know damn well that that is a complete and total lie. Your children need to understand the reality in which they live in so that they have a fighting chance at surviving it. And hopefully not just surviving it, but thriving within it. Either they are going to make a choice to live inside the matrix, knowing damn well that it is a matrix because you were honest with them, or they are going to join with other people and try to break away from the matrix, maybe living one foot in it and one foot out of it, maybe trying to withdraw completely and all together, living close to what the Amish do, or maybe even more extreme than that. But it is not fair to lie to your children. I have decided that we are going to raise our son to know everything from Amish to computer programming. And that way, when he turns 13, 14, 15, and starts to be able to make decisions for himself about what direction he wants to go in, he will be prepared for what is to come. If he turns 18 and he decides he wants a brain chip and he's going to go live inside the metaverse, so be it. That is a choice he made, but he will be as well prepared as possible to thrive inside of the metaverse. If he decides he's going to withdraw from the system and go form a breakaway civilization or live on the one that hopefully I'm able to be part of in the coming years, then so be it. If he decides he wants to grow an Abe Lincoln beard and go live with the Amish, then so be it. It will be his choice, but it is my duty duty as his father to prepare him for all options from surviving off the land to working for the man inside of the metaverse so the more we understand this the more realistic we can be about the decisions that we have to make that we will be forced to make in the coming years wesley smith here said that it is not uh it is not too late to fight back. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I am fighting back by speaking out against it here at the show. But I know the solution is not to get on a white horse and ride into Washington, D.C. with a pitchfork and a musket. That's not going to do anyone any good. The first 
phase of the solution process is to educate educate yourself and educate others i am still educating myself i need to put these pieces of the puzzle together and i am sharing that information with you and hopefully you are taking this information and sharing it with others around you spread the word spread the word because whether it be six months from now nine months from now a year from now we are maybe going to get together and start to figure out how to build this breakaway community. But we need to get more people on board with this way of thinking to really understand the truth of this matrix that we live inside. Even back 92 episodes ago when I talked about the matrix, living one foot in and one foot out, I wasn't totally convinced that it was here yet. But 93 episodes in, three months into this show, going back into the history of technocracy, rereading documents that I haven't looked at in five or ten years, I've come to the realization that we are inside of it. It is our culture. We are all part of it. And unfortunately, it's pretty damn hard to escape it. But at some point, we are going to have to pull that ejection cord and escape it if that's truly what we want. We're going to need to stop talking about it and actually start to lay out plans for how we are going to exit this system. Ladies and gentlemen, join me tomorrow. I'm going to show you who is behind the current transhumanist movement at Harvard University. It will be the truth. It will show you that eugenics programs there never actually ended. Our history is completely fake. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold.